Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Gals of Geekdom podcast. I am one of your hosts, Crystal Williams. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm here with Flo Lovely, Ashley. Hi, my name is Ashley, but you can call me Ash, and my pronouns are she, they. And it would appear that we have a guest on the podcast we do, do, tonight. We do have a guest. So... Yep, they they couldn't keep me away forever. I have broken down the door. My name is Vera Wild. My pronouns are she, they. Oh, a fellow she, they. Yes, indeed. Vera has a great uh, YouTube channel, Council of Geeks, and Actually, uh, a while ago, I need I need to check out more though. Yes, you should. There's uh, there is a disturbingly large backlog. I have had that channel going for over a decade. Oh, you have. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, and I I know you weren't born yet ten years ago, but you know. <laughs> yeah, we're we're I'm not that young. I mean, whatever you say, something actually, I turn to dust. So I just. You know. <laughs> uh. We're just going to keep taking pot shots at, you know, how young I am. Look, yes. the alternative is to take pot shots at how old I am, and I do that to myself enough. I don't need to hear from you. <laughs> get off get off my lawn, you darn kids. Uh, get out of here. Speaking of kids, uh, I just watched Scream 6. There's kids in that movie, and I'm sure... I'm sure that movie goes fine. I don't think anybody gets hurt. I think they all talk and have a really nice time talking about movies and chilling and hanging out. Correct? So without spoilers, uh, Scream 6 was really enjoyable. Okay. Uh, see, I, I can't really say that much about it because of the, <laughs> of the franchise, but yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, the, they utilized the New York setting very well, at least in my opinion. Uh, the characters were great, uh, like the holdovers and the new ones. Uh, I always like Mindy. She she's the the niece of Randy, and I, and I love her. Oh, that's right. Okay, I need to watch five again so I can get my mind ready for six. Whenever also, I yeah, she, she's she she's she's the gay one. That's right. There's a gay. There is a gay, and and she is played by the same actress who played Finn. In Spider-Man Miles Morales. Oh. So we're referencing a movie I haven't seen uh, in a franchise that I haven't watched since the third one. And now we're referencing a video game I've never played. I'm just, I, I'm so glad I can contribute so much <laughs> to this conversation. <laughs> What's even better is if you think about Scream, it's it's all references. Apparently contribute to a conversation on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should be on episodes where Lizzie and I just talk about Taylor Swift music. Yeah, last oh. time, last time they talked about the Seinfeld finale. <laughs> See that? That I could actually talk about. That I've seen. <laughs> but I don't think you can contribute much to the uh, to the Taylor Swift conversation. I um, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's just a Lizzie and I thing. <laughs> <laughs> like. I know some of her songs. Yeah, okay. Some of her songs. That that's I mean that's kind of it. I know she's one of those people that like there's always conversations about but like I 
and this is this has nothing to do with her. It's just a blanket statement about famous people. I don't care. <laughs> I don't really care about the personal lives of celebrities or famous people either. I just like their art if they're a good artist. But uh, yeah, I think Scream Six is the first movie I've seen that mentions Letterboxed by name. <laughs> okay, yeah, that does it. Oh, so uh, I without spoiling anything. Um, and this is more of a general question. One of the, one of the concerning aspects that like Lizzie and I talked about with doing a movie so close to the last one, because look, between four and five, there was like almost a decade. Um, like, like this, it's a long time between films and that gave five a really good avenue to comment on modern trends in horror films. Do you feel like Six does a good enough job within the year to like continue that sort of commentary, self-aware commentary, or is I'd it say more so, like yeah. I'd say so, okay. yeah? Because that's like the hard part, right? Like Scream One was commenting on like the slasher genre and stuff from the eighties, a lot of groundwork before that, and two kind of smartly. I feel like Six uh, builds on their commentary about you know legacy sequels and legacy characters. One thing I think, uh, Vera, you'd even appreciate about Five is that um, it it definitely has a lot to say without spoiling about modern internet culture in terms of <laughs> like grift grift grifting for clicks and uh, forum users and sort of the alt right sort of infiltration of like like geekdom online, and it definitely has a good knife that pokes a hole and makes fun of that. Uh, I mean, they mentioned the last Jedi in it. So, (laughs) so it's, it's kind of like a really, they, I think what works about five is that it quite, it quite knew the genre that it, that it is now the world we're in now. And it feels fresh. And you I've heard people say six feels surprisingly fresh for, yeah. But the thing is, you have to remember that scream one and two came out within a year of each other. See, I, I was about to say the only yeah. reason that there was such a long gap between four and five was because Wes Craven died. Yes. Yeah. So, like, two and three came out close to each other. Like, one and two came out very close to each other. Three came out pretty quick after that. Two had the benefit of 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 being a, a sequel that they could play off of the joke on how horror sequels are and sequels yeah. in general. Like, It, it, and- it still wasn't very good. But, like, I know everyone slams three, and three's not great, but, like, I actually feel like two is the most wasted in terms of what it could have been doing versus what it actually does. Three, for my money, swings bigger. It misses, but it it tried to do more with its with its. Um, I think I still like to work with. Yeah, I think I still like two because it because it's it still feels like a fairly solid entry, while three. Like you said, it does swing a bit more, but I also feel like in areas it misses a bit more. Um, but that's just personal preference. I actually enjoy watching every one of these movies, even the worst ones, because there's always something, there's some yeah, but, redeeming quality about them. Yeah, but rest assured, Vera, four, five, and six pick up the slack. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, like, I know it's also unfair, but I also kind of blame Scream for the existence of the scary movie franchise, which I will never, yeah, like, I will never forgive anyone involved for. 
Yeah, but the, the thing about Scary Movie is that, like, well, first of all, that's what Scream was originally going to be called, but they put the kibosh on that and called it Scream instead. But, like, the thing about Scary Movie is that it tries to satirize a satire, and that doesn't really work. And see, the thing is, that's that's even giving it too much credit. See, I remember I was working at a movie theater when that movie came out. So it was 99, I believe, when uh, Scary Movie came out. And I remember um, sitting and watching it because I could if I wasn't on the clock, I could get in and watch movies for free so long as the screening wasn't sold out. And. It just wasn't fun. I mean, forget the basic structure. Forget its ability to satirize. Like, there was not a single individual joke that made me laugh. I sat there in pain <laughs> the entire time. And I think that was honestly one of several things that happened over the course of the 90s and the early 2000s that made me deeply loathe Hollywood comedies. Yeah, because the, the thing is, like, after Scream came out, like, Every horror film wanted to be screened. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like they they all they all got quippy. They all got self referential. You had you had shit like what was it, Urban Legend? God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's, like the influence on the medium is massive, but there's just as much positive as there was negative influence. I mean, unfortunately, that's true of literally everything that works because like. You can, uh, in a lot of ways, you can blame um, the prevalence of horrible handheld shaky cam action scenes on the Bourne Supremacy, which was one of the few movies that did it about as well as it could be done. But then everybody did it, and they all sucked at it. Marvel yeah, Paul Greengrass is like one of the few directors that can utilize shaky cam very, very well. And then, yeah, like you said, once that movie came out, everyone wanted to do it, and they had no idea how to do it. Everybody did. They don't know how to do it. Marvel gets a cinematic universe going. Everybody wants a cinematic universe. Nobody can freaking make it work. Or even you go all the way. You can probably blame Titanic for the resurrection of the disaster movie in the late 90s. Oh, true. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that, but that makes sense. Titanic did it well. Everyone else, you it know. Seems Titanic is a running theme on this podcast. <laughs> it feels like that's a running theme. Uh, yeah. Well, but what what I always found fascinating about Titanic is that everyone thought it was going to bomb. Like, like they, they read reports about the budget and thought it was going to bomb. It was going to be another water world. And then it didn't happen. <laughs> it became the highest grossing movie of all time. I have thought that about the last three James Cameron movies, and I've been wrong every time. Like, do not doubt him. So that's the thing. I remember when the first Avatar was coming out, and I was looking at it like, look, it doesn't look uninteresting, but there's no way in hell it's ever going to make its money back. Becomes the single biggest movie of all time. Like, well, shut yeah. my mouth, I guess. And then the Avatar, second, yeah, the Avatar. second one gears up, and I'm like, who the hell's going to come back to this over a decade later? Second highest grossing movie of that year, with only so a month the in theaters. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> the highest grossing film of that year. Oh, it, it beat Maverick eventually? Yes, it beat Maverick. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it is now the third highest grossing film of all time. Oh. I think James Cameron might have some sort of satanic blood pact with a demon. Um, well, because I feel like that... <laughs> there's this meme of Saruman 
and and the the caption says James Cameron magically summoning thirty billion Avatar dick riders to make the size grossing <laughs> film of all time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's just James Cameron found a way to clone himself and to buy all those tickets. Has to do with the fact that most of Avatar's appeal is overseas rather than domestically. I mean, maybe partially. I mean, like part of what's weird is that it. So. Kind of the popular narrative around the success of the first Avatar was that it it launched the brief uh, wave of 3D movies. Again, partially because it was about the only one who did it well. And I will never take that away from that movie. Going to see that in, in a theater in 3D was an incredible experience. But because of how little lasting cultural impact it felt like Avatar had, I think everyone had kind of just been prepared to go, oh, a lot of it was the 3D and like 3D viewing is a thing technically, but like who cares anymore? Yeah. And so and then it, come to Avatar the Way of Water. Yeah. Like, he did it again. How the fuck did he do it again? I don't know, because like Avatar, the first one has not stuck in the popular consciousness. And the, the thing is, like, I really like Avatar. I do. But, uh, like, even I will acknowledge that, yeah, not a lot of people are talking about it, like, at least in the way that James Cameron wants it to be talked about. Yeah. I mean, if if you want to compare his other, you know, took a long-ass time to be made sequel, like, by the time the second Terminator had come out, nobody had really ever stopped talking about or referencing the first Terminator. Mm -hmm. Titanic made way more of a cultural impact than Avatar did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would would say that. Yeah, I would say that. I also just think it's a better movie, personally. Very nicely into what I want to talk about next, which is, at the time we are recording this right now, the Oscars will be tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, a certain film is nominated. We've talked about the nominees before, but uh, uh, we haven't talked about them with Vera yet. So, Vera, have you seen any of the nominees? I need to pull up the nomination list because... No need, because I have them right here. All right. (laughs) Rattle them off. So, yeah, there's <laughs> Avatar The Way of Water. Haven't seen it. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Haven't seen it. Uh, it's on Netflix. Go watch it. Um, <laughs> I uh, haven't ben- seen that one either. <laughs> Banshees of Vinnie Sharon. I've seen that. Will not see it. Will not see it. Will what? never watch it. Why? Because <laughs> I hate the director's movies. That's fair. Uh, part- I can no. understand that. And, that and was- well, it's actually it's partially him. And I hate his fucking fan base. Uh-huh. I see. Well, I, I I put out a review. I was commissioned because like, it's really good. But. I was com- I was commissioned like 4 years ago to review in Bruges in Bruges. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was which really is perfectly fine. But I don't know if you've rewatched it lately. It's also pretentious and high on itself in a way that does not help the narrative at all. Well, have you seen uh Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri? Yes. It was shit the instant uh, the instant uh, Woody Harrelson died. The entire thing went to hell. I, I actually mentioned this in a letterbox entry I did uh, a couple weeks ago, that Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri is great for the first two acts. Yes, I would agree with that, but then it falls apart hard. But anyway, when I put out the Imbruge thing, I still, like every month or two, I'll get another batch of butthurt fanboys of this damn director whose name I can't even remember right now. Martin come- McDonough. Yes, who come in and call me an idiot because I said that he was a little pretentious. And I'm sorry, he is! 
He is a little bit. Yeah, so, but rest assured, so, uh, Banshee's of Eenie Sharon is good. I, I'm, I've heard it is. I will not watch it. Okay. Uh, so I, 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 my opinion on Banshees is that it's a good movie, but it's also one I probably won't ever watch again because it's really depressing. <laughs> All right. So what about Elvis? It's haven't fine. Seen it. You haven't seen it? Nope. All right. How about Everything Everywhere All at Once? Fantastic. Yes, yeah, fantastic. fantastic. That is the movie that I hope will win and probably will win. I expect it will. It's got the most momentum going into this. All right. How about The Fablemans? Haven't seen it. Fablemans was great. Yeah. Uh, Tar. Haven't seen it. I haven't no. seen it either, actually. Uh, I don't really have any desire to see it either, to be honest. Uh, how about Top Gun Maverick? Still oh, yeah, haven't I've... seen it, actually. Really? Been meaning to, but, you know, I missed it in the theater. And then, you know, free time is, is a wonderful concept. I have, <laughs> I have a vague memory, like back sort of core memory, like from teenage years of having free time. But um, this is not my reality. <laughs> I see. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I get I get that. <laughs> and uh and the rest of the nominees are movies that I haven't seen. Uh Triangle of Sadness? No, I don't really have any interest to see it either to be honest. Uh Women Talking? I don't think I've even heard of Triangle of Sadness outside of seeing it on the list. Women right. Talking I didn't see. And how uh, about yep. Women Talking? Don't know it. All right, not neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, but I do want to bring up one thing. That, you know, Shake Rillis, he made a really good video the other day uh, about how the Academy disrespects animation and how movies like Puss in Boots 2 and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio were not even in the best picture discussion. Well, no, that's part of why they created. I mean, they, they've done the same thing with best foreign language film forever. Part of the reason it is so rare for a foreign language film to get nominated for best picture, no matter how good they are, is it has its own category already. Yeah. Well, there is one this year, and that's All Quiet on the Western Front. That's one out of ten. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that, you know, movies like Puss in Boots 2 and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio were not even in the Best Picture discussion is, quite frankly, a sad reflection on the Academy itself. Everything about the Oscars is a sad reflection on the Academy. And, like, I... Yeah. That part of this is this is where the age divide comes in. You're kind of where I was at like ten years ago, being like, "Boy, this is a little crap." Whereas I'm here at forty, going, "Why does anybody care?" <laughs> I I don't really care like about who wins or whatever, but I do enjoy the the yeah. I'm, I'm not going knocking anybody. It. I'm not knocking anybody for caring. No, if you don't care, that's great. But, like, I just can't wrap my head around caring anymore. No, that's that's completely a valid take because the Academy is just it's just filled with bullshit. Well, here's my two cents. <laughs> like, here's my two cents. Uh, yeah, the Academy is awful. Yeah, they suck. But <laughs> I, I want these amazing movies to be honored on that stage. Like, even I, in a ceremony that is utter shit, and the people voting on it suck. Okay. Yeah, it's good to celebrate art. Like, sure. I, I, again, I was probably there where you are about a decade ago, but I've, I've, 
I'm old and bitter. What do you want? <laughs> hey, not... Now, the, the, the best movies that I saw last year, one of them was Everything Everywhere All at Once. The other two were never going to get nominated anyway because they were RRR, which was never going to get nominated because, A, it's a big, silly action movie, and, B, it's foreign language. And, I, no, and R- Nope, which was never going to get nominated because it's a horror movie. Uh, what, what, which one did you say? Uh, nope was the yeah. other best movie. Nope from last didn't get nominated for anything. I don't know how you watch that movie and not want to like award it for its at least for its sound design, which is f- fucking phenomenal. Oh. If, if if nothing else, for nope. I mean, well, I, at I, least there were a few nominations for the Batman, but that's. I, I keep forget. I keep forgetting that that was a 2022 movie because it came out so early in the year for a blockbuster. But yeah, the Batman. I really liked it. I was too. <laughs> I was shocked how much I liked that movie. And why are you shocked? Because I am sick to death of dark, brooding, brutal Batman. That's kind of how I was feeling until I watched it. Well, see, the thing was, the movie actually delivered on what they'd been saying it was going to be, but I I had no faith that they would actually do. Because all of the buildup was like, yeah, we're focusing more on the detective thing. It's going to be more of a noir. And I remember thinking, you're just freaking saying that, because the trailers didn't reflect that at all. And yeah, like the, the, the trailers emphasize the more action-y parts. Yeah. But then when I actually watched it, 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 it was the point at which – um, Batman goes into um, the club and like roughs up the penguin. I'm like, oh shit! This is what a this is what a detective in a noir movie would be doing, just roughing up somebody for information. And it's being handled that way. Oh my god! They did actually do what they said they were going to do, and weren't just blowing smoke up my ass. <laughs> I think I've talked about this, but I think this one might be one of the closest, at least of recent years. <laughs> To an on-screen sort of Batman comic that I've read. Like, I felt like it was definitely the the closest I feel like it's gotten in that regard in the live-action adaptation I, form. I want to say that I never doubted Not Reeves. I never doubted his talent as a filmmaker. I just didn't know if it would work. Matt, like Matt Reeves great. has been up and down for me. Well, what, what else did he make? Uh, he made... Uh, of the new Planet of the Apes movies, which were fantastic. Yep, I'll give you that. He also made the American remake of Let the Right One In, which was not good. All right. He also did Cloverfield. Which made me motion sick, and I literally had to run away out of the theater and throw up in a garbage can. <laughs> um, I, I like Cloverfield, but I prefer 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, yeah, 10 Cloverfield Lane is amazing. Much better movie, which he was not involved in. <laughs> I don't, I don't attribute that to necessarily, you know, like just because he isn't involved. But no, but 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 I'm just saying, like he he gets no credit for that movie. All right? No, no, no. That's fair. Yeah. No, it was just a random tangent I was going off of. Uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of podcast episodes ago, uh, Crystal and I were talking about uh, James Gunn's plans for the DCU, and. Like, I do have – I am a little bit optimistic about it because of his work on the Guardians movies and of the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. And Peacemaker, yeah. Yeah, Peacemaker's really good. 
But one of the things that he announced was a Batman movie. And it was uh, The Brave and the Bold, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, and he said that movie is going to have the Bat family, which I don't think the Bat family, like all of them, have been in one movie before. Or at least not a live-action one, anyway. I mean, depends on what you consider all. At the time Batman and Robin came out, that was effectively all of the Bat family that was relevant at the time, because it was Batman, Robin, and Batgirl. Yeah, makes sense why they wanted to wait a while before they tried it again. <laughs> uh, look, here's the thing. I will... So I'm, I have a heck of a lot more confidence in James Gunn than I did in Zack Snyder. Now, part of that's a preference. I know some people like Snyder's stuff. I like Snyder's stuff. But um, I am nervous by how much is being planned right off the bat because I'm getting flashbacks to 2014 when DC announced five years worth of movies immediately, half Mm -hmm. of which never got made. And so, like, I'm getting flashbacks to that already. But. In regards to the Bat family, I like that's part of what I was saying, why I thought I wasn't going to like the Batman. I'm over loner Batman. I'm really done with him. Like, so, and I think that James Gunn and crew are realizing that and they're trying to give something new to the audience. Yeah. And like, I understand there's like a stigma around Batman, but Batman and Robin was 26 years ago. Like, we can we can take another swing. We don't have to have the only reference to the Bat Family be a friggin' spray-painted and graffitied um, outfit in a glass case to imply that Robin's dead. We can do better. There have been people who have been born and have become adults in that span that don't even really think of Batman and Robin with that same sort of cynicism. In that yeah. way, like people grew up with Batman via comics, uh, animated television shows, animated films. Like, I, I, it's just weird how that that's still like a, they don't want to touch. That having been said, I do recall that it's been said they're planning to do Damian Wayne, uh, Robin, and yeah, I, and the, I, like, I know. Ian Wayne has, like, kind of a mixed reception. I like fans. Here, Here's the caveat I have to put. I have not read the comics that he appears in, but I have seen the animated movies he appears in, and I want him to die. <laughs> Damian Wayne is a little shit. Yes, he <laughs> is. And I've even heard people, like, defending, like, that's part of the appeal. Like, if that's what you find appealing, then we have very fundamentally different ideas of what counts as entertainment. I hate him so much. Okay, but it it is worth noting that James Gunn in that announcement video said that that movie would be based off the Grant Morrison comic book run and not, you know, the animated movies. So there's something at least. Well, the animated movies were based off the Grant Morrison run. But I think he was indicating that it's not going to be like the movies. I hope so. But like they're you could say that, though, you don't material. Yeah. I'm I'm not a, I'm I'm not a fan of Damian Wayne either personally. Uh he's my least favorite Robin. Uh but I I can understand I can understand that maybe it works better in the comics. I can also understand the intentions of creating a character like Damian, but I just never it never he never clicked with me. No, like, I, I get it, but whatever. <laughs> t- 
Tim Drake is the best Robin because Dick works better as Nightwing. Jason Ton should have stayed dead, and I have no interest in Damien. You don't. You're not a fan of uh, Red Hood. No. Well, so here's the thing. Here's what I'll. Here's the asterisk that I'll put on this. I think he just should have stayed dead. That's my stance. Mm-hmm. What I will say is that if you were going to bring him back, they should have kept him as a villain because at least then he would be filling the same function, which is that the reason he was interesting dead was because he he was he embodied Bruce's largest failing that a Robin died. That was his greatest failure. So when you bring him back, you undo that. The only way you mitigate undoing that is by having him come back as a villain. So while he's not dead, he still represents Bruce's greatest failure. But the instant they turned him anti-hero, that was freaking gone. And now I really super don't care. Yeah, because he kind of just fits fits in that same lane of, I mean, just not more murdery version of Nightwing almost. Yeah, he's he's become DC's answer to the Punisher, and I don't even like the Punisher that much. So, I am actually a fan of the Punisher, but I, I like it for the reasons that like uh, a lot of the right wing appropriation of a symbol completely miss in their understanding of that character. I, well, I like they don't wow. I was going to say they don't understand that character, but I'm also going to immediately follow that up with, to be fair, about half the time, Marvel doesn't understand that character either. So no, no, that's fair, too. I, I, I like him for a multi, multitude of different reasons, but I like him. I, I mean, I like I think my favorite adaptation I've seen of Punisher so far was John Bernthal's turn in the Netflix Damn, series. Damn, I'm so and, disappointed. I was so, I was holding my breath. I would find the one other person on the planet who would agree with me that Warzone was the best Punisher put into oh, live action. In terms of, I would say in terms of like between the Thomas Jane movie and that one, I'd rather watch Warzone like infinitely more because the the Thomas Jane one is just a boring movie. I'm sorry, but it's just it's just it's just such a dull dud of a film with a good actor in the lead, but a, just a really boring film. While Warzone is so stupid, it turns around and is hilarious. Like it's so off the rails that it becomes entertaining. Like I think Warzone is amazing, and I love to double feature that with Dread. I yeah, just, that's fair. I just. I think it's great. And I, I think Ray Stevenson is an amazing Frank because it takes a certain kind of guy to be able to say a line like, sometimes I wish I could get my hands on God and actually have it work. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Whereas John Bernthal, like, he was pretty good when Punisher appeared in Daredevil. I, yeah, I like, couldn't I even... Really like the conversation on the rooftop between... Daredevil and Punisher. Yeah, like that worked, but I tried watching his solo series. I could not finish the first season. I was so goddamn bored. Okay, that's fair. I, I liked I, it. I have not checked out his solo series. I I, I, I actually would, think you would like it, Ash. I think you would. Uh, just knowing you. <laughs> I just I found it I found it very boring. And that's honest, fair. honestly, I'm not saying it's the best. I just I saying think, I enjoyed it. Well, I think his fundamental sin is they are over-explaining a deeply simple character. Over explaining 
in terms of his history, his background, like let's really dig in and talk about his feelings. Like he's a pissed off guy who shoots crooks. Like that's it. <laughs> that's I kind of liked the digging into who he was. I thought that that added another layer, but I mean, not everyone's going to feel the same. So whatever. I, I don't. The thing is, I don't think it's ever added anything that you couldn't get from a million other cheap ass vigilante stories. I think where the Punisher works best is where it embraces his simplicity. It's part of why, as much as I 99% of the time really can't stand Garth Ennis's writing, I really like Welcome Back, Frank, that arc that he wrote. Because when he wrote that, he understood the simplicity of Frank and that Frank is a force of nature that comes in and nobody can stop him. And that is all you need. Okay, you know, now that you mentioned that, I've never read that, and I need to read it. Actually. I would highly recommend that. Now, I'll check I would out. not, I would not continue with his run past that, except maybe, maybe give Punisher Born a shot because that's not bad. But eventually, Garth Ennis just started Garth Ennising all over the damn thing, and it went to hell. But you know what's? Really oh, I, sh- what's on I tried this, to read. Um... Oh no, go ahead, Ashley. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's okay. What's what's interesting to reflect on is that a lot of kids' introductions to these characters, like Punisher, Daredevil, X-Men, Avengers, etc., were all through the 90s Spider-Man animated show. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that is true. And that that was true in my case as well. Like, that that's how I got to know a lot of those Marvel characters. I had a DVD from around the time the, uh, the live-action... Daredevil movie came out uh, that was intentionally just a collection of those Daredevil slash Spider-Man episodes. You know oh, what? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. The, the Ben Affleck Daredevil, it's better than people give it credit for. Like, the director's cut is better. The director's cut is better. That movie is really good. I actually am the one weirdo who prefers the theatrical. Okay. Uh, let's make you weird. You were, you're weird. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm very, the thing is, like, I, I can recognize, I can recognize some aspects that are better, but most of the added runtime stuff, I'm like, they were right to cut it. It doesn't need it. Uh, I disagree. I, yeah, for me, it didn't add anything, and the stuff that was strong in the theatrical is not made any stronger in the director's cut, so I, the extra, the extra material to me was just padding. All right, well, um, uh, you know, you brought up Zack Snyder earlier, and I know neither of you are fans of his work. Uh, I'm not a big fan either, but, like, I appreciate him more than most people do. But in the extended cut of Batman v Superman, which is like, roughly 30 minutes longer, it, it's interesting to note how many plot-relevant scenes the theatrical cut just cut out entirely. See, like, I've, I've heard that. Superman would have been a far more competent movie had they left those scenes in. See, here's the thing. I've heard that. I believe that. I probably still would have hated it, though, because while there are plenty of logical and plot hole issues with it, my fundamental problems with that movie are all philosophical, and adding more movie to it wouldn't help. Um, I can confirm with you the director's cut doesn't. If you already are kind of leaning toward enjoying that film... It won't convert you. It does add more details that are important, but it also, I think I'm with you, and that is philosophical 
<laughs> approach to it yeah, isn't I mean, like, helped. Whether or not a director's cut of that nature helps has to do with your feeling about the first film. If your feeling about the original theatrical was, boy, we almost had something, there's just some roughness, then the director's cut's probably going to do a lot for you. But if you're someone like me and watches it and goes, the fundamental concept of what this is really rubs me up the wrong way. Yeah, filling plot holes is uh, not exactly going to gonna alleviate that problem. Oh, fair enough. I, I still disagree with you on it, but I don't know. I like it. Oh, people disagree with me on everything. Like this is my normal state of being. I <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. Have you seen uh, the Snyder Cut? Yeah, like it's it's so weird how those are just like two completely different movies. No, like, they are. And plot, here's the same plot beats happen in them. But at the same time, they're very, very different. The Snyder Cut is probably the movie from him that I have thought the best of since 300. I and people have said that. Yes, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Basically, just because I could watch it and think to myself, OK. For what this movie is, philosophically, thematically, fundamentally, I don't have a lot of interest in it. That having been said, if it's going to exist, this is about the best version of it that was ever going to exist. And I can freely acknowledge that. (laughs) Yeah, because when you look at that movie as opposed to Justice League, as people (laughs) call it, like – it. it's a vast fucking chasm of difference because like what they wanted to do with justice league was like, they looked at the complaints with Batman v Superman and thought, huh, people didn't like this movie because it was dark. So we'll let's make the tone lighter and that'll make it work. Right. Which like that was never going to, because (laughs) even for as extensive as the reshoots were, they could only, start over so much the bones of it still had to be Snyder's version because you know in terms of the sets and locations and actors available they were still going to have to pull from the same resources and they didn't have time to redo this the script from scratch so it was always going to be a plastered on lightness and Whedon-esque nature to it onto something that wasn't built to be that yeah, because when you look at, you know, the listed budget for that movie, it's $300 million. You look at Justice League and you tell me, does that money show on the screen? Well, no, it was never going to because you have to take into account that's basically the cost of a movie and a half because of how extensive the reshoots were. And on the on the new half of that movie, how crunched the um, special effects and post-production time was. Yeah, I've seen com- people compare that final scene to, like, Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, that's fair. But then you you also have to bring up the CGI on Henry Cavill's face. Uh, I, the, the big own on that one was, like, as soon as it became available digitally, somebody just used basic deep fakes, and it looked way better. Yeah, exactly. It looked way better than this professional movie from a professional studio. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I almost said something super controversial, but I don't want to say. Oh, type it, type it in the chat. Type it in the chat. No, no. 
I, I can say it. I if I had to choose to watch Justice League or the Zack okay, Snyder no, version, no, I would watch. No, I would judge no, Josh, no, Justice League again. Stop! Right? Oh, you didn't stop. You didn't like, stop. He, here's the I can, thing. I can. I can objectively say there's a lot of sequences that are technically made into a better film, but I can also say there's just as many horrendous sequences added to back into Zack Snyder's Justice League. See, here's here's the thing. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm right. I'm I'm going to split the difference and say that I don't enjoy either of them enough in and of themselves to be like, I'm going to sit down and watch this. So by default, I'd probably opt for Justice League because it would be over quicker. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's that's kind of a fair thing. I mean, you both want to be wrong. I mean, that's on you. But. <laughs> and, hey, I can be complimentary to the Snyder Cup, but I also never need to watch it again. All right. Well, I'll say this. Um, recently, Jazzy has been watching the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings movies, and I've never seen the extended editions of those movies. So re- I'm going to start getting into that, uh, I think, as soon as we log off the podcast. Oh, which one? Wait, you're gonna you're gonna after this you're gonna spend the next four hours watching? No, 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 no! I'm not gonna watch it all in one go. I'm not gonna watch it all in one go. <laughs> okay, okay, because I'm like, I know it's later over there, but holy shit! I didn't watch the Snyder cut in one go. Why would I do it with this? I watched the Snyder cut as a as a TV series. Yeah, that's what Jazzy did too. Now here's the, the question: is, like. Unlike, you know, the Snyder Cut, everyone agrees that the Lord of the Rings movies are amazing. Everyone agrees on that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I just had to touch the waters, though. I, I was going to say, like, my only question is, when you say the Lord of the Rings movies, do you mean the ones with Lord of the Rings in the title, or are you rolling the Hobbit into that? Because no, no, I've no, met no, people no, who do both. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No Hobbit. No okay, Hobbit. good. Because the thing about the Hobbit series is I haven't actually seen, you know, all of them. I saw An Unexpected Journey and I saw Desolation of Smog. Did not bother seeing Battle of the Five Armies. The only one that I would ever willingly watch again is the first one. Fair enough. I actually preferred Desolation of Smog. That's what I hear from most people. I hard disagree. That's fair. I don't have, I don't have like, (laughs) for like a handful of reasons, aside from the fact that, you know, it doesn't have an ending. They just didn't include the ending and slapped it into the first 10 minutes of the next goddamn movie. But also, like, possibly somewhat controversial. I don't like Cumberbatch's smog. Oh, yeah. He was smog in that movie. Yeah. I don't like him. He's (laughs) trying too hard. I say this as someone who grew up on the Rankin-Bass animated Hobbit, which I will argue is better than any or all of those three live-action films. And I love the Smaug from that version. Part of what I love about him is he is very laid back and casual. He's not growling. He's not snarling. He's not trying to sound scary because he just is scary. Like, he gets mad when he realizes something's actually been stolen. But prior to that, he is super chill. Because he is not threatened, and he does not need to try to be intimidating. And Cumberbatch is just trying so hard. I'm like, dude, stop. 
and fair enough. <laughs> I, I mean, but I mean, I I remember liking it, but it's been like a decade. Because I'm just gonna stick with Lord of the Rings. Nope, that's I mean that's a better call regardless. That's and fair. you know, going back to the Oscars, it's interesting to note that Lord of the Rings: Return of the King won 11 awards. Not only that, but it won every single award for which it was nominated. Yeah, it was the largest clean sweep. Yeah, but what's what's kind of controversial is that it wasn't nominated for best cinematography. I mean, the other thing that was controversial about it is it was basically understood that it was sweeping a bunch of legacy awards for the whole trilogy. Fair enough, because I I I think the first one is the best one, but they're all great. The first one is the one I probably enjoyed rewatching the most, although the first one has the one change from the source material that I think was a massive mistake. And what was that? So, okay, how well do you know the books, first of all? Um, actually, surprisingly, not that well. Okay, so I'm, I, I was only asking because I need to figure out how much I need to explain this. Okay. So the flight, the flight to the Ford. So in the movie, this is when Arwen takes a wounded Frodo and rides him to Rivendell like she confronts the Nazgul on the other side of the, the other side of the river. There's sort of the water horses thing. You remember all this? Yeah, I, I don't remember that. Yeah. Okay. So in the book, Arwen is not, not only is Arwen not involved, there is no elf involved. Not for the actual fleeing from the Nazgul. Frodo flees on his own. He gets to the other side of the river, realizes he can't outrun them. And he draws his sword and he stands his ground and basically says, I'm not going to run, but I will fight you. Now, an elf then shows up and does the water horse thing and that gets rid of the Nazgul. But that moment of Frodo making that stand, its absence, I think, ha- it causes a massive problem for the entire trilogy, which is that the entire idea that Frodo has the ability to carry that ring kind of hinges on that moment. And without it, I don't understand why anyone thinks he's capable of this. Yeah, like, even, like, as a kid, I noticed that why does it have to be Frodo, the one, the one that's carrying the ring? Why does it have to be him? And And in the books, it makes more sense because he has proven himself to be the one who will make that stand in the face of almost certain death. He will stand his ground anyway, and he will face that down but then the thing is at the end of the return of the king he he can't throw the the ring into the fires of mount doom yes and that's the same in both cases but at least in the book you understand why people think he would be able to whereas in the movies he never seems like he's in control of what's going on Hmm. it it weakens him severely as a hero in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't bother me too much because, like, it's it, not. It, bo- it bothers me because it makes his inability to cope with the ring feel like an inevitability instead of a tragedy. Because I never believed he ever could cope. Oh, I don't know. It just seems like a minor problem to me, but I, I understand. I understand. Yeah. I, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> No. <laughs> How dare this, you disagree with me? No, this podcast is all about conversations and disagreements. Oh, I, uh, I, I, I started a huge fight last time I was on here. I remember. Uh, uh, and may I ask, 
what was this regarding? Uh, the Last Jedi. Uh, and how <laughs> do you, well, I, I, I don't remember that episode, so tell me, how do you feel about The Last Jedi? Don't like it. You don't like it? Uh, don't like it. Okay, well then, we're just gonna nip this in the bud right here and just. <laughs> I can still start fights with that one. Uh, I'd rather. No, it's. We almost. Uh, there was the episode recent where, recently where Lizzie almost killed me for making fun of Titanic before I'd seen it. <laughs> here's, here's the nicest way that I'll put my criticisms of The Last Jedi. Oh. <laughs> Andor was amazing, and it succeeded in doing a lot of the stuff that The Last Jedi was trying to do that it didn't land for me in that format. All right. Well, I, I disagree about the landing, but let's just leave it at that because I don't want <laughs> that to be a big thing. But okay. I, I still have yet to see Andor. You so, should see Andor. It's great. Uh, maybe Andor we'll is fantastic. Andor, come back to you and then we can discuss it. Andor, Andor is fantastic. Yeah. Beats right. the hell out of the Mandalorian, so. Yeah, I, I do love Mandalorian. Mandalorian after season two. I'm not even bothering with season three. I I did I did the first episode of season two and then like I didn't jump on the next episode right after that and I realized oh I, I don't care. <laughs> you know one thing that's uh how, how do you feel about the MCU lately? I, I want to gauge your opinion <laughs> on this. MC, the only thing from the entirety of Phase Four that that really kind of stuck with me much at all was Loki. Yeah, I was about to say, like, Loki, I liked Loki, and I really liked Spider-Man No Way Home. Everything else was, was either good but forgettable, mediocre, or just outright bad. Like, I liked... I like Hawkeye. I, see, there Hawkeye are ones that I liked, but even the ones I liked didn't stick with me. I yeah. liked Spider-Man No Way Home. I keep forgetting it happened. I yeah. like Hawkeye. Shang Chi falls into the good but forgettable category. Yeah, same thing. Like, and I and I say this as someone who actually will low key defend low key. Thor, Love and yeah, uh, Thor, uh. Thor, Love and Thunder, and the Eternals. But there's still not anything that stuck with me. And then there were ones that really let me down. WandaVision really ticked me off by the time it was done. She-Hulk, thankfully, by the end was working for me, but it was a slog for the for initially when that started. And um, Multiverse of Madness was my single most disappointing film of that entire year. So yeah. it, my it opinion, has not my been great. Multiverse of Madness was good, but now that like it's had time to sit with me, uh, it's not really living with me. The more time that passes, first, it like it does so little with the multiverse concept, especially if you've seen everything everywhere all at once. Oh, yeah, uh, that's exactly what Jazzy and me were saying about it. But even even beyond that, they did Wanda so dirty. And I've seen people be like, oh, but she does that kind of thing in the comics. I'm like, yeah, the comics do her dirty, too, all the time. That wasn't a mistake I wanted repeated in the movies. All right. Well, uh, phase five just got started and it started with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which I did not like. I actually, I didn't mind it. Like, I haven't I, seen it yet. I won't, I don't ever need to see it again. It's probably going to fall a bit into sort of the category of Shang-Chi and Thor Love and Thunder for me, which is, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. You want to talk about 
movies that look like Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> well, like, if you're going to complain to me about MODOK, I will throw hands, because I thought MODOK was great. Oh, uh, I'm not talking about MODOK. I'm talking about the Quantum Realm. Actually, I thought the Quantum Realm, for the most part, looked pretty good. Where it fell apart was whenever an action scene started, because it went into handheld shaky cam, where it had been sweeping vistas up to that point. Like... As someone who's not the biggest fan of the Ant-Man sub-franchise within the MCU, I'll admit, like, I always wanted to see more of the Quantum Realm. And then in this movie, we get it, and I'm just not invested. I mean, like, ultimately, they just, by about halfway through, I was like, oh, this is this basically is playing like a Star Wars movie. Because there's nothing uniquely quantum about this. It's just, okay, here's people and animals and tech. The same as just going to another universe or planet or dimension, whatever. Yeah, like with the, I, at least with at least with the first two Ant Man movies, like they felt distinct, like within the MCU. Here, it just feels like you know Ant Man, you know, going on an an adventure in space, except it's not actually space. I mean, I didn't really. I mean, the first one was fine. I actually really didn't like Ant Man and the Wasp. I mean, Jonathan Majors was the main reason I went and saw oh, yeah, Quantum Mania. He he didn't let me down, so no, he he didn't let me down either. I mean, because I knew Loki, Loki, and yeah. I expected to really like him here. I I still need to see Ant Man. I haven't or Quantum Mania. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't well, seen again, I haven't seen know. a movie in theaters in quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> like you were going um, to see Avatar: The Way of Water, but things kind of fell through. My my friend who was going to take me to go see that movie twice first got got had plans basically car broke down and then the second time got covid so i never saw it <laughs> uh, i still haven't seen it which it's that's unfortunate because seeing it in the theater was really beautiful yeah i i i wish i caught that one in theaters i mean same with top gun maverick for that matter but yeah top gun maverick was amazing I, I I don't doubt it, but I it's hard for me to motivate getting my butt into a movie theater these days. I did see Top Gun Maverick. Someone else took me to see it, though. Yeah. yeah. The last movie I saw in theaters was right before Halloween. I watched the original Dawn of the Dead in 3D. <laughs> they, did. they had a that had a 3D release. Yes. Huh, I did not know that. It was only at a uh, Regal Theaters, I think. For like three days before Halloween, and I was just like, I fucking love this movie. I need to go out for Halloween. This is a perfect Halloween movie. <laughs> and I, I, I wasn't disappointed. I hadn't seen that movie in like a decade, and I watched it again, and I still think that film is probably the greatest zombie film ever made. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, I've actually never seen the original start to finish. You should. It's It's great. It's like I've seen the original start to finish, and I've seen the Zack Snyder remake start to finish. Obviously, the remake is inferior, but I still liked it. I'm I'm a, I'm partial for the original stuff. So I like Night of the Living Dead, but I've always been a huge fan of Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Surprisingly, Day of the Dead is pretty good. Um, it's got some of the best zombie <laughs> gore effects I've ever seen. <laughs> See again, uh, I'll I'll be the weirdo who will actually stick up for Land of the Dead, and nobody else will. But oh, well, that's fine. I haven't seen that like, in a long time. Didn't that I, flop in theaters, or was that another Romero zombie movie? 
I think that one did okay. He did a few more after that that were like very low budget and did nothing. Yeah, hold on. Let me look up his filmography here. See, that's why I kind of consider the original three sort of like its own separate trilogy entity, you know? Like, I know it's the same part of the series, but I just, those original three, Night, Day, Dawn, they all kind of like are one entity for me. Uh, I don't know why I think about it that way. The last one he he did was uh, Survival of the Dead in 2009, and that made... $300,000 on a $4 million budget. Yeah. Mm, That's unfortunate. Yeah. I watched Diary of the Dead. Uh, I don't know when that one was. I mean, I haven't rewatched Land of the Dead in a while, but to my memory, I feel like its themes have only become more relevant. Oh, I, um, Romero's work is, is always, he, what makes him sets him apart from every other zombie filmmaker is that he understood the the genre and he knew how to tell um a very meaningful and thoughtful story with zombies. <laughs> and you know, uh, Vera brought up She Hulk earlier. The lady who plays She Hulk, Tatiana Maslany, she was in Diary of the Dead. Oh, really? Yeah. Fifty. Yeah, we connected it all. Actress. She was in uh, Orphan Black. Which was almost a good show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she won uh, an Emmy for it, so and she deserved to. Like it as a showcase for her talents as an actress, absolutely phenomenal. One of the best acting reels to ever get multiple seasons. As an actual show, <laughs> fair enough. And if you're if you're wondering, uh, yeah, Diary of the Dead was modestly successful. It made five million on a two million budget. <laughs> so yeah, it, ba- it basically it, it broke even. That successful. <laughs> oh. this there, has been a lot of fun, and I could probably keep going for another hour. Oh yeah, no, we, we would love to have you come <laughs> back on at some other point in the future when we can, we, we when we can uh, plan it out. I would love to have you back on because I, I think we, we get a good vibe and we could probably talk for another hour or two. Oh, at least. <laughs> yeah. So, but I wanted to um, thank you for coming back on again. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Uh, do you want to, do you want to maybe plug where the people can find you? Sure. I'll rattle through this. I'm used to doing this at this point. So, uh, main thing I am known for is Council of Geeks. That is a YouTube channel. There is video essay type material every Saturday. Um, that is also supported by Patreon. If you really like my stuff, Council of Geeks on Patreon. Um, there is the Break Room of Geeks, which is non-scripted review material. And so that is the separate channel where that goes. Um, I also stream on Twitch on Wednesdays and Fridays, generally retro and 2D games because fully rendered 3D makes me motion sick. And... Um, you can also find me under Vera Wild, Wild spelled W-Y-L-D-E. I have a YouTube channel where I discuss um, be, my experiences as a gender fluid person. I sometimes do uh, trans-relevant product reviews. I'm also on TikTok as Vera Wild and Twitter. And also uh, this other place that's only for fans, if that's your jam. <laughs> um, 
and there's that. And I also have books out. I have a book published with Vera Wild listed as the author called Skirting Gender, which is autobiographical. I have a play called When She Wakes, um, also published under Vera Wild. And I have a fantasy novel called Dreams of Fire, published with Nathaniel Wayne, avail- uh, listed as the author, all three available on Amazon or um, the Skirting Gender and Dreams of Fire are also possible to get at your local library or bookstore if you don't feel like throwing money to Jeff Bezos. Wow. I have a Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) This is how you can tell that I do this nonsense as a living. I've got my whole shtick down. (laughs) Well, I'm going to need to check out. Like, I have a lot to check out from you. (laughs) All right. Well, I have a Twitter. uh, Ashy Groovy. (laughs) And the letterboxed uh, Ashy Slashy, uh, and that's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no way I was going to be able to follow that up. <laughs> I have a fair amount of stuff, uh, but not not nearly as much. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Crystal W Rocks. I also have a link tree and my Twitter bio, which you can see all the links to all the relevant stuff, including my medium where I write articles on occasion. And I've got a bunch of other things going on. Uh, my main focus is. Uh, you guys, uh, you know, keep listening to the show and sharing it. Oh, big, big announcement. I think we said it last week, but we're going to say it again. Uh, Galaxy Geekdom now has a TikTok account. Uh, Which so... I just followed today. Awesome. I'm glad you uh, you hopped on to that. Uh, poorly singing My Heart Will Go On. Yes, my, my goal for those is to have that be a place where we upload outtakes and excerpts from the episode, maybe greatest um, and Vera, if, if the first video on that TikTok account is the one where Lizzie gets mad at me. So if you want to hear her yell at me, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of glorious. Uh, and then the, the second one is, is hearing, uh, Ash, Ashley over here doing a really wonderful rendition of My Heart Will Go On from Titanic <laughs> as our outtake from the last episode. Uh, cause, Little behind the scenes notes is that we record a test recording before we start every episode. And so I, I plan to sometimes take those test recordings and pop them in as little extra content for everyone to see. We don't have a Patreon, but, uh, we'll have free extra content for you. So please follow on this one. <laughs> Best of luck on TikTok. I'm on my third account. I've been banned twice. Luckily, <laughs> we... <laughs> I wish you the best on shit. That sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, and I think I think with that being said, go follow the TikTok account. Follow us on all, all the platforms. Vera, thank you so much for being on another episode of our show. We really enjoy having you as a guest. Uh, a lot of really good conversations. Uh, one of these days, we'll have to have you on for like fucking two or three hours. <laughs> yeah, um, that'll be fun. That'll be a blast. But until the next episode, thank you for listening to the Galaxy Geekdom podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya.